Hey guys, it's your host Julian. This week I'm sitting down with color script designer on Across the Spider-Verse, Mr. Dave Leish. In this episode we're going to deep dive into some of his favorite scenes, as well as the world building for Spider-Gwen. We chat about how the color palettes and designs was fleshed out, and we get really nerdy about animation. If you haven't yet, you should check us out on Patreon. We're offering three tiers with a lot of fun perks. Some of those perks included in the three tiers are a special shout out to all the patrons, question priority, early and ad-free access to the audio and video chats, voting on upcoming retrospectives, and so much more. Now, let's get to my chat with the great Dave Bleich. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to What's in My Head Podcast. I'm your host, Julian. Today, I'm joined by Dave. Dave, welcome to the show, man. What's up? How you doing, man? Thanks oh, for having fan. me. Thank <laughs> you for coming on, and uh, thank you for the one, uh, the the great Kerry Yost. He set this one up. He said, you should for sure check out uh, Dave. And then a lot of it had to detail around your time on Spider-Man, latest, uh, latest Spider-Man movie, ladies and gentlemen. This movie broke my brain in the best possible way <laughs> i went in this not not knowing because most of the time it's very hard to capture lightning yeah. in a bottle once you guys did it once you caught it a second time and you blew the jar apart with this movie <laughs> i was blown away by what you guys were able to accomplish so was i um, i have to tell you that um well yeah i mean the uh, the first one was Again, it was uh, so so much fun to work on, and it, it blew out of the water. And then to come back and try to get hit that second hurdle and try to make you, you know you have to hit that mark even better. You know, you don't really think about. I, I guess I don't think about that. I'm just, but you know, when you're working with some incredible artists, you know, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I am one of many, and I do what I do, and then these other artists just make it even better, and they just keep plussing it and plussing it until it's awesome. But you know, it is it is a challenge. I think I, again, I don't really think about like we got to make this better in the second. We're just trying. You know, I'm just trying to like, how do I, a okay, make it awesome, but really, how do I try to get what the directors want and mm-hmm. what the production designer, art director, are looking for? And they're looking for something that's fresh and something that's unconventional something that's just something new and like have we seen it this way before and it's 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 hard you really got to go do some soul searching at times like i mean you do have moments you're like damn am i not good at this anymore i don't i don't know if i can you know and then like you do some stuff and you work on it and then you have another artist come in and they throw some stuff on there and you're like damn crap okay i gotta try something else because that person just threw it off the hook i gotta do something else here so that's what's amazing, I guess, for working on these films. I'm very fortunate, but also I'm very fortunate to work with some incredible people, and I have for a very long time. But these, these, uh, the Spider-Man films are, you know, quite a gem, and I'm very lucky, very lucky to work with some great people. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty wild. <laughs> it's wild is a what is the term i'm trying to look for that is an underestimated tone underestimated statement for this like i said i blown away by this movie i was going in there thinking that like like most sequels very rarely do you ever have a movie that the sequel is better or at least on par with the first one first one that comes to mind is t2 right that's generally the first one that everybody goes to is better than the first or on par and then i go into this one and from the T two meaning Terminator two or Train yes. Spotting two? <laughs> no, 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 Terminator Terminator two. Because <laughs> Train Spotting two sequels pretty good. Sorry, I mean interrupt you. <laughs> oh no, you're perfectly fine. Uh, you guys hooked me right off the bat. I mean, 
the ladies and gentlemen, the color I'm using this time, because I always change the color up with whatever the, I always usually ask whoever the guest is, like, what's your favorite color? And that's what it goes on. Um, but this one, the whole Gwen sequence, the Gwen world, I was hook, line, and uh, sinker into it. Oh, man, it's the color palette that you guys chose. I'm such a big fan of color. I don't, how does that color palette come about? Obviously, her color scheme on her, well, on her um, go for it. It comes about really from the the original comics. Um, you know, with Jason Latour just following that palette, following that world, and um, you know that made it that that set it all up. So it didn't like everything's there. That's Gwen's mm-hmm. world. You know, the pastel, the CMYK world, and that really was the essence of finding the right palette, and then to come in there and then now okay what's Gwen's emotion it's like now we're just tweaking her palette shifting it coming up with theories really just like all right well she's acting this way she's feeling this way how do we keep her in her world because you know it's with, with spider-verse it was like there's different worlds and these different worlds had to have their own different not just design and characters as well but also their own palette and their own lighting structure and some even had their own camera structure and camera design you know, so compared to like Nueva York or Novotny, mm-hmm. like, all right, they all had different palettes, but with Gwen's, it it was sort of like it, the, the blueprint was there. Now it's like, how can we tweak this, or how can the assignment I'm given is like, how can I tweak it when she's in her apartment, or when she's walking home, or when she's in um, in the Guggenheim fight, you know, or when she comes home, you know, after, I don't want to give away spoilers, but I'm sure people have going to seen it by that time, but when she comes yeah. home after leaving her dad. And this is something that's, um, you know, uh, it all, it's all broken down really from, from the script. There are some ideas, but it's a lot of conversation you're having with the production designer and the art director. I would work with Dean Gordon, the art director, and show him a lot of things. Um, and then we would just kind of break it down and pitch that to the directors you know and i would also uh, talk it through with uh, patrick o'keefe the production designer and just like all right what do you think here you know we get feedback all right maybe that's too far or they didn't see it that way or the director didn't see it this way but really what it is is a conversation and my job is just it's almost like i'm just kind of like getting it out there on the table and like let everybody talk and i my main job is just to listen I want to hear everybody's immediate feedback. I, I pride on that because I don't want to really have it given to me or translated through notes by someone else or to a third party. I, that's the moment where I'm like, okay, I get this. I get this. I can hear that. And the other thing, and the other thing is, Julian, when, I'm, when I initially start working, I really don't start painting right away. My process is that I look for a lot of uh, images from my library that I I, I create and I, I create these mood boards. These mood boards are, can be very, um, they can be images of film, but they can be also very abstract to like fashion. They can be architecture. They can be a bowl of fruit. But really, what I'm, and then I just kind of mix the palettes around and I try to find mm-hmm. something. But really, what it is, I mean, these things don't get shown to anybody because nobody will understand them. But there's a palette there that I think that supports what's happening at that sequence. And then from there, it gets translated onto a storyboard, or maybe there was some sequence art or some kind of art that was done. Maybe we can kind of apply it to that and tweak it. Or like, I would like, what do you think of this? And then maybe Patrick would do something and then like, all right, I tweaked it this way. And that's really, it's back and forth. And I want that and I encourage that because it's just like, 
it needs to be a collaborative thing. I need to, I need to hear how, how they're feeling about it because the audience is going to look at it and they, you know how they're going to react to it, like mm-hmm. yourself when you reacted to these these moments, especially when Gwen's walking down the street or you know even the opening sequence with all the drumming, you know, and yeah. her talking. It's like we had to start out in a place. And then it got more chaotic, even more chaotic, because she, emotionally she was like getting more chaotic. So the, the the artwork was getting more abstract. You know, I was using I was using images, you know, like from uh, Schlesinger old uh, animation, like early fifties like experimental animation. You know, and then I would just kind of get a little more rock and roll with it, and I just try to push it uh, all these different directions. So palette wise, we stay in that world, but. You know, when I go back and I look at it, I, I map it all out with these boards. Mm-hmm. And then even prior to that, I should back up, you know, prior to that, what I'm doing is that I'm actually reading a script and I'm charting it along the way. Charting it, meaning I'm charting it, how I react. Like, um, do I feel like emotionally, is it, you know, is it chaotic? Is it going to be more contrasty? Do I think it's a good time to be warmer? Or is it a good time to be cooler, more saturated, you know, darker, brighter? And I, it's just very ambiguous. It's an immediate reaction from the script. But sometimes I get um, so inspired, it made me think of like from a shot from a film. And I'll just write that down on the script for myself. Like it'll make me think of something like a Roger Deakins or Chris Nolan somewhere, Wes Anderson, you know whatever just whatever comes into my head it could be something from serpico you know <laughs> i don't know and then i'll i'll have that and then i'll start applying and i'll start building these images and these boards and then we have a conversation about that and then that and that's the, and that's part of the process i don't know if everybody does that this is just my process um i'm not saying it's right i'm not saying it's wrong i'm just saying it just it works for me and i think it works with the the directors and the artists and the art directors and everybody I work with on the team. I think they understand that. I think you can't just like go dive into storyboards or images and just start painting. Some people can. I think you need to really start to assess and start thinking emotionally. What are you trying to say with the palette? What kind of balance are you going to have? And you can, you know, I'm one who believes that you can tell uh, a story with any color. You know, you see those things online where people are like, you know, um, you know, blue is for this, and red means that, and green means that. I, I okay, fine. If you want to believe that, I don't. I think you can tell any story, any emotional beat with any color in the wheel. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's just, it requires um, a collaborative effort of just how you're going to light it, how you're going to stage it. You know, is the character going to be dark over light? Is the character going to be lit sideways? Is what you know? Then the colors can come in. How you want to represent that. You can theory craft it as much as you want, but you really got to always stick to the the basic of what are you trying to say? And I, I think as we talk more, it's like a lot of things I was trained in in the school and my professors, it was just always finding a, a point of view. What is your point of view? What are you really trying to say here? <laughs> and, and that's kind of like the, some of my basis of things that I do. Now, when you're... Because you said you would go to the art direction, the production designer, and then you would you know sit down with the directors and kind of feel like mm-hmm. what do you look what are you looking for, and then you try to put your flavor, your spin, your stank on it. You know, you, you're trying to influence with your style, right? I know when we talked before mm-hmm. we hit record, you said you like uh, chaotic in a sense, and that's what this entire <laughs> first sequence is with Gwen. I mean, everything 
from start yeah. to finish and her world is chaotic <laughs> as shit. And it makes sense now because because you you, t- you telling me that. Um, but when you're sitting down and you're you're talking uh with with all of these these people that work on this movie that are giving you input, how hard is that mm-hmm. to take what they're saying? But it still comes from Dave in a sense. Like you're still getting to put you in there, even though you're trying to take what they want as well. Um. Well, two uh, it's a two part thing. Yes, I do. I kind of do thrive on um, how I work. I work mm-hmm. uh, sometimes on the chaos because, and I say the chaos meaning I just I'm confident enough, enough to let something. I'm not. I'm not holding something too close to me. I'm not. Yeah. Um, meaning uh yes yes thank you um I, I so when i say chaos i'm willing to just say you know what i'm going to try this and go for it and i may not be able to get that other thing back but i it's me feeling like you know what this is unresolved it's something it just hadn't wasn't hasn't spoken yet and think mm-hmm. so and then it's very non-linear and i say non-linear i don't work like this 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 i jump around you know it's sort of just like oh i gotta do this i gotta move over here because i think you just get very stale i like to break things out into like just like an animation like keyframe sequences and then in between and sometimes i'll work on three or four of them at once you know i'll just jump on one of the sequence with, with gwen here and i might be working on something with you know uh miles and miles's world or new Year. it's just something like I don't want to get too tunnel vision when I'm working. Mm-hmm. So hence the, the cast. I, I think I, I, I do thrive on that. I do really enjoy <laughs> it because I, I think if I overthink it, it gets stale. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I have and think of, I don't know many artists have, but for me, it's like once that idea gets out and it's out there and we like it and I haven't touched it in a week, sometimes I don't know if I can get back to that. It could take a while. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like you just kind of get into that like, little zone place and you're just like oh cool and then you know somebody will come up to you and be like hey can you create, create can you create this but like how you did that i'm like i don't know if i how i can get back there just yet <laughs> so it's really hard <laughs> um but I'm, I'm happy that they enjoyed it the the other like the other answer to your question was is like i can throw stuff up there stuff that i really like you know i'll pitch you know when i'm doing a presentation I'm not picking um, colors because for the sake of them being cool. Uh, when I present something, this is something I, I tell a lot of students is um, when you're, when you're presenting your work, explain what you're, what you're doing, what your choices are. You know, I made this room red because, because of this particular thing or emotionally I felt it was supporting the story. Don't say I made it red because it looked cool. They don't want to hear that. I mean, there's a lot of colors that make things cool. It's like so if you start if you start explaining yourself and don't be defensive, but if you defend your work and you explain your choices, you know, ninety percent of the time it, it, it will work. You know, it's mm-hmm. you know, sometimes it won't. <laughs> it happens yeah. because they, the director or somebody might have you know, production designer or director might have like a theory they want to go this route with it. Fine, but. I gave them what I thought, and it's really like, okay, we love this. Can we just tweak this little part? Have we tried to hue shift it? What do you think about here? And I'll say, well, I can't. I'm saving this particular color for this world, or this particular color. Say, blue represents miles. You know, mm-hmm. I want to make sure how blue stands in this particular world. 
you know, you can theory again. It's like, are we going to desaturate the blue when he's losing? Are we going to inverse the blue when he's in a different space? Like, and that's the same thing with Gwen. Like, we start turning her world around, especially when we, when she returns home. Um, you know, after like she's lost her friend, she's lost her job, she's going to come back and face her dad. Like, her world is down and out. And my theory for that was, she shows that her whole world is inverted. Mm-hmm. You know, there's 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 black in the sky you know there's not that white graphic you know there's not a lot of gradients the colors are all off she doesn't even bond with her dad color wise you know so there's those kinds of things that we that i uh do and then i I push it out there and again the color scripting um i had to explain it once for a project that was on uh for a musician and it was you know, he he does a lot of music, and one of the things was like I had to. He asked me, "What is a color script?" And mm-hmm. I actually, the, the spur of the moment, I was just like, "Well, the best way I can explain it is like you know, there's a musical score for a film. Well, a color script is a visual score for a film. It's not the local color like you see, like with bricks and red and all that stuff. Yeah. What I'm doing is creating an emotional palette that follows the the the, the story, and it." Color scripts are not final sequence illustrations. They're just to be very gestural, very quick. You're just trying to get an idea of proportion and balance of color and how it flows and how it supports. So, you know, sometimes you put the work up there and it's like, I've seen color scripts of some people online and it's like, they look like sequence illustrations. And I'm like, you don't need to do that. It's just, you know, they're beautiful, but you're spending too much time on that part. I think you just want to be able to recognize it. And then hand it off and flush the idea out sort of like a sketch and um and it it's it you know it's i i love doing them it's something i've I'm, you know this one of the jobs i love is just creating palettes and creating colors for worlds and tell stories like that i've been doing it for a long time and i, I just one of the things i just love doing when you get the script you start yeah. breaking it down it's the best part <laughs> oh. I can imagine. Yeah, um, yeah. And you'd, you'd mentioned a, a specific scene when you were, when you were breaking down, you know, color choices for the color scripts. Um, mm-hmm. There's a scene in here that we talked briefly about before we hit record. Um, and I actually talked about this with Carrie as well. Cause you know, I, I texted him like, dude, they can, this is how your name came up. I was like, uh, dude, I just went and seen spider Spider-Man. And he Carrie. was like, what'd you think? And I, I was like, my mind, I don't have the words to articulate <laughs> what I just saw. I was like, I just watched this movie 15 minutes ago. I don't, I don't know what to think. I don't know what to feel. I was amazed. I was like, but amazing doesn't feel like it's a strong enough word. I was just, there's, there's so many yeah. times where you hear throughout cinema history, like when the exorcist was playing back in the theaters, back in the day, people were falling out. People were passing away. Like, I think a lady <laughs> died maybe, you know, so you hear those type of stories and I, I'm, I'm watching this movie. And I don't know, I don't, the only thing that I could really describe, it was a fucking masterpiece. Like I'm looking at this and I'm like, this, Very kind. I, well, it, it's the, it's the honest truth. You know, I'm, I'm looking at it and it's just like, Thank I don't you. like, Thank you. yeah, it's, it's, it's very rarely it does my big dumb ass like speechless. I, I love to talk obviously, but <laughs> I, I see something on the screen and then, you know, whenever we go see a movie, my wife asked me like, how was it? What'd you think? And I, I tried to tell her, I was like, it's good. Uh, I, can't like I said, I just couldn't think of anything else. I was like, it might be the greatest movie of the year. It might have been the greatest movie of the last decade. I was like, I don't. And the first thing I would always follow that up with is like, I don't envy or, or I'm not jealous of anybody that works on a movie because they have got the hardest job in the world, and that's to make this 
landing, that superhero landing stick, and it look fucking amazing. It's going to be difficult. What you guys have to do for three, I'm I'm not a praying guy. I'll say a <laughs> prayer for you. I'll find somebody that says a prayer for you. You guys have your work cut out for you because this one was a phenomenal movie, man. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, it's, it's, it's good. We're I can feel the for. chaos. I don't, I, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. I I know nothing about it right now. Uh, yeah. For three, and I'll be I'll be happy uh, for them to have me back. You know, um, which would be great. I would love. I love working. Um, I love working with Patrick and Dean, mm-hmm. Justin, the director. You know, I'd love. All, you know, all those guys are great, and those, you know, if they can bring me back, that I I never assume anything it's me i'm always just trying to make sure that i give everybody what they want and uh you know but i but as friends i i mean i enjoy working on films i've worked with justin Mm -hmm. thompson from for for, for, since cloudy one you know and and phil those guys have been yeah and those guys have been you know i've been i've been fortunate enough to be in the little movie their movie family for years and Mm -hmm. um I love working with all them. They're, they're just, they're, they're they're so energetic. They're just so passionate about it and they bring the best out of me. And I'm just happy I can contribute to those guys. I mean, they're, they're just fantastic. And um, they make me laugh, you know, it's like, Oh, great. I know this is going to be a fun ride. I know we're working. It's going to be great. You know, production's production. And we, you do have your, your peaks and valleys and things. And you get, you know, you're like, wow, this is awesome. Oh, this, oh yeah. You know, but yeah, <laughs> I just know from my experience in the last, I, yeah, I worked with Carrie, you know, the first cloudy. Carrie's fantastic, you know. And, yeah. Um, I just so wish I could just work, keep working with my friends. <laughs> that's, that's what I keep And that's the other everybody. thing working these, on these, on these films. It's like, you get to work with new, some new artists, you know, and you make new friends in this process. And, and, and this is almost like your second family. When you work with these artists on the animated films, it can be some of them like for two years, like you've been spending mm-hmm. a lot of time with these people. And, you know, when it's over, there is a moment of just like, oh man, am I ever going to see this person again? And we're going to work with them again, you know? You know, I always meet new, new fun people on every show I work on, you know, and then I try to retain relationships and I look forward to working with some of these people. I mean, some of these people I've worked with on this on Spider-Man, um, you know, I was fortunate enough to work with them again on Turtles and mm-hmm. and even some of the prior to all that stuff, I got to work with them again. You know, I've worked with Mike Lasker, the, the visual effects supervisor on Spider-Man when he and I worked together on uh, Monster House and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and early and some of the cloudy stuff in the beginning, you know, so Mike's a great guy and I've known him for a long time. <laughs> it's just like, oh, you know, he's doing very well, you know, it's great. I'm so happy for him because he earned it. He has an incredible eye. So Absolutely. You know, yeah, when you find good people, you got to stick with them, ladies and gentlemen, because it, it's very hard. You know, a lot of people and, and this this topic's come up a lot of times. A lot of people when you're young, all you think about is chasing money because that's all you ever hear. You got to make enough money to survive, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. But it's not until you get, you know, yeah. probably in your 30s, if you're lucky enough, maybe your late 20s, where you start to realize, like, it's not always about the money. It's about the ride. It's about the people that's along for the ride with oh, you. Oh, sure is. It really worth it. You know? it, it sure is. I mean, I've been I date myself, but my, my first feature film was Fifth Element. And wow. I did matte painting for Fifth Element. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And my first shot ever, ever done, I was doing matte painting extensions. We did practicals and stuff. And I was doing 
the shot where they pull up to the McDonald's stand, you know, and I worked with some incredible, Mark Stetson was my VFX supervisor and Kevin Mack was one of my supervisors, you know, and I, and these guys taught me so much about film and the, but the people I worked with on that was like a family, you know, it was mm-hmm. a family, a crew at that time. This is early on. And it's just like, every time you jump on a film like that, it's always like a family and you just keep learning and learning. And you never know. I mean, the longevity of it, the film. you just keep, you're, you're never going to start over. You're, you're mm-hmm. going to take what you've learned from next one film and bring it to the next. But there was always a saying that we had, you know, it always sticks in your head. You're as good as your last shot, you yeah. know? <laughs> it's like, you know, but you were never, and I tell this to a lot of people too, even to this day, sometimes we'll get like in Zoom meetings and we'll be waiting for people to jump in. And it's like, I've learned this in the past. And I've worked with, um, you know, people who've been around this industry for a long time. That, you know, you're, the thing I would always tell people is like you're you're never alone on these projects. Don't ever feel you're alone. Mm-hmm. Just you know, raise your hand. Just ask for help or ask for guidance. You know, don't be feel that you have to do it all by yourself. You know, it's like it's not going to happen if you're trying to do it all by yourself. Um, you know, feel free to ask for help. Feel free to ask for people like, hey, you take a look at this. You know, and I'll tell some of the people. You know, it's been like their first show. Like some of them were pretty intimidated working on spider-man for their first time you know just tell them it's like it's just a film you know just you're here for a reason you have something to say we all want you to say it but don't feel like you're by yourself what a movie to break yeah. into the industry on you know what i mean jesus christ <laughs> <laughs> that's wild man um now you brought you brought up ninja turtles we're going to get to that in just a minute man but i'd be sure. remiss not to ask you um, there was a scene, like I said, I, I didn't want to put out too much before we hit record because um, this scene was very, very special. And like I said, my my oldest and I saw it separately, but we talked about it, you know, and we both loved Gwen's world. Gwen's world was I there's just something about those colors that I find just so fucking beautiful. It was yeah, it, like I said, just beautiful, beautiful colors choices that you guys had. I mean, you guys really I really felt like I was feeling what these characters were feeling throughout the entire movie, not just Gwen's area. But yeah. like anytime Miles felt shit, I felt that. And it was a lot of the color schemes you guys were using. You know, it was the the mm-hmm. visual effects. It was everything that went into it. I mean, everything flowed into the next one. And this scene in particular, and I don't know if it's just me putting my emotional baggage into it. But the scene where, <laughs> spoiler alert, ladies and gentlemen, it's been a couple weeks now, but it's not, not. I think you might have actually seen this in the trailer, but you see Gwen and her dad embrace and behind them. And I don't know if I, I'm pretty sure I saw this. I'm pretty sure it happened. But behind them, when they embraced, you know, they got that like explosion of color or that little like it lights up just a little bit. And mm-hmm. in the background, it looks like the walls were like sweating, but weeping. Because it's supposed to be like mm-hmm. that tearjerker moment, like her and her dad finally understand one another. And it's them not crying because they're both stoic characters, but it's they're giving you that emotional cure, that visual cue. Like you wouldn't SNL, right. it says now applause type of thing. You see the walls <laughs> start to like cry. Yeah. And I was like, are these guys telling me I'm supposed to cry right now? Because I'm already there. I'm on the edge, Dave. And it just like I said, that that scene was so beautifully done. That scene was just the wow. buildup for it was fucking spot on you guys it stuck there. It's, it works so good man um but yeah i would so, love to know more about that that scene if you can sure sure that's when gwen goes home so mm-hmm. when so uh 
and I said earlier, so when Gwen returns home, you know, her world is just completely upside down. She again, mm-hmm. she's lost her her best friend. She's lost her job. She, you know, she's lost her, her self-worth, her confidence. Now she's got to go home and deal with the fact the last time she saw her dad, he had a gun on her. So, spoiler alert, sorry, people. And then, um, <laughs> and then what the idea was for me to plot that out, um, there was a lot of work done on it already, some incredible work. Um, so I was, you know, it was my turn. And it's kind of like how we all work. It's like, all right, Dave, you work on this. We're going to hand it over to somebody and they're going to, lost it and then this will get, so that's kind of like how it works a lot mm-hmm. so they asked me to take a look at it and take a crack and i went i, I went through the um the boards and i went through the the uh, previs and i just kind of had a discussion with the, uh, the director and so what i did what i wanted to attack it was is gwen's returning home so her world is completely different it's broken her she's mm-hmm. broken her world's broken so you know, in, in Gwen's world, there's, there's those colors, the those pastel, the CMYK colors. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to make those less dominant. And I also wanted to make it, I wanted to infect them in a way. So I wanted to make it feel sickly. I wanted to make it feel uncomfortable. The colors that for her that were just very uncomfortable. So when she comes home, you know, I really wanted the sky to be like this graphic black shape. You know, you just, the buildings are just lights. And then she's now like in this you know, I was pitching this orange color and like the lighting is all fractured, even the shadows. Like, And, you know, when you work on these things for so long, it's like when you see it on film, it's on there like for like three seconds. <laughs> and you're yeah. like, oh, okay. But then when she goes in, I also wanted to have a palette where, you know, you know, she's coming in and it's haunting and she's seeing her dad in front of the television. It's very graphic. And then she realizes like, oh, this isn't where I want to be. And she's like, I got to get the hell out of here. And, you know, kind of, feel that where she runs to the window and it's one color and then the light switches on and another color comes on. But I also wanted to make the whole world feel not unified. I wanted Gwen to not to be unified in her room and not be unified with her dad. But if you look closely with her dad, he has that, I was playing with the tie color. It's had like that mm-hmm. turquoise blue, kind of like her sneakers. So he's, you know, with his uniform, I was just trying to have some connection because he's trying to reach out, but she is just, you know, being like rebellious, fine, whatever. Like she's being like shitty, you know, and yeah. you know, and like where were you been? And, you know, she's like, you know, out murdering my friends, and and she realizes that. So what we had to do is break it down, like piece by piece. Like at this moment, it's going to be this type of palette, not jointed. The second moment where she kind of has to follow her dad in is to cool it down a little like she's like almost like an olive branch. And then when dad says, you know, that he's quit, what do you mean? You can't quit. You know, that break you know, actually I jumped ahead. It's like when she was just trying to talk about how hard it is to be her and how hard mm-hmm. it is to be Gwen and Spider Woman. A lot of that influence came from Cinderella. Uh, with the with the stepsisters tearing the dress yeah. apart, that was always like that banging, you know, just pulling the dress, just tearing her down, breaking her down. And I took a lot of those influence, but I tried to find a correct palette in her world for that. So when she's mm-hmm. pacing back and forth, I'm trying to, you know, I did these series of images, and um, I just wanted to like show, like she's just tearing it, she's letting it all out. She's breaking it out like emotionally she's just like i don't have nothing left to give you know this is me take it or leave it and then take a breath now her dad's there and the palette's getting more neutral and it's getting even more simple and 
from there, it's like he quits and she says, he tells her he quits. It's like, you can't quit, you know? And the essence of that whole scene is like, they're now becoming unified again as father and daughter. So what I wanted to, what I pitched to the directors, you know, was I wanted to feel like the world's just like wallpaper. It's just getting torn down. It's all the white, all yeah. the colors coming back. So when you see Gwen, when you see George, like start to like have this color and white around them, and then Gwen, they're finally seeing each other again in the right palette, in the right world. All the bullshit's gone away. They're mm-hmm. father and daughter again. And that's when they unify and it becomes like just white in their color. And then we see the cut scenes where it's now like you have like these peach tones and you just have like the Gwen palettes back. So the process was to start out really inverse, really crappy, sickly infected. And then the and then he reaches out to her and you know, pretty much obviously tells you he loves her, but it's just like all that crap's just get torn away. Gwen's back. Gwen is now back. She has this solve, and now she has her confidence back. And now she's going to go take care and find her friend and save her friend. You know, she's like, I got to go find him and take care of him. So that's her. That's her mentality. So that's what you know. When you when you work on these projects, sometimes you only get like a month and a half, mm-hmm. which seems like a lot of time, but it's not. It's not. No. And sit there <laughs> and just try to come up with a theory and just keep banging these out banging these out like all right what do you think about that what do you think about that that's good for now work on these that's good for now i don't feel this one try this okay well that can that competes with that you know because you need to have visually and even a color palette you always need to have a place for the viewer to go and as you just experience and you watch that you actually went on a journey with gwen and her dad Mm -hmm. You know, being a parent, I'm sure it was even more emotional because now you're yeah. kind of seeing the thing come back together. And like these pieces that are breaking down that are floating, that's really just supposed to feel like the whole world is just kind of rebuilding itself. That's the, the, the theory of it all. I'll, I'll probably be posting some of those up on, on Instagram eventually soon. I try to put that stuff on there chronologically and just kind of put little pieces and just kind of keep. They want to over flood people at once. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff out there. But that was one of my favorite sequences in the film. I mean, it was, you know, the, the, the obviously the fight with uh, Miguel on the train. I mean, just that originally was incredibly just blocked out, you know, yeah. and then just like where he just goes to Gwen, like, see ya, like, bye, Gwen. It was colder earlier. Like some of the mm-hmm. earlier takes of the storyboard, I mean, it was cold. It was just like, see ya. <laughs> but, you know, there's been, you know, they have to change things, of course, but yeah. been privy like to first passes, but color-wise, uh, that's, that's a whole other world. But, uh, you know, I love Gwen's world. I think Gwen's world's good. I also love Earth 42. I think that's a fun little world, too. You can get a lot of fun with that the classic comic book. And that's what's so great about these films. But this film is like, all right, I'm working on this world now. All right, so that's a whole other design and color palette. I'm working on this world now. Okay, that's a whole other design and color palette. <laughs> it, it... How you guys, because you guys watching this movie, it's not one movie. Before I get to that point, I, I want to hit on something before. Let me write that down. Sure. Not one movie. Um, when when comes back and, and it's into a world and the whole world is different, right? So you, you were saying yeah. the dark black you know sky and stuff like that. Everything was really weird. And I know you said you're a cinema fan. So, you know, you find shots. And when I'm watching this movie in the theater, um, I'm instantly reminded of Back to the Future Part Two, 
Back to the Future is one of my favorite <laughs> franchises of all time. This, in my opinion, is the greatest franchise, or not greatest franchise, excuse me, greatest trilogy of all time because there's technically, well, there's realistically only been three because there's only been three movies. A lot of people try to play and cheat where they want to have their cake <laughs> and eat it too. They're like, no, the first three Star Wars movies, greatest trilogy. No, no, no. They've got nine movies. It's all in the Star Wars universe. It doesn't count. So pure trilogy, Back to the Future. Fight me on it, ladies and gentlemen. Back to the Future, one of the greatest <laughs> movies of all time. Um, I wanted to be Marty yes, McFly when I was younger, you know. Um, <laughs> but when Marty, when Marty goes to the future, goes to the past to fix it, and the first one, then he comes back. All those ripple effects kind of, you know, take place, and then he has to go to the future. So he comes back after that second time, and then everything is wrong, right? His his uh his his neighborhood is run down. He goes into the house that he thinks it's his own house, and it's somebody else's daughter sleeping in there. He's getting chased out. So when Gwen comes back, and then you see everything kind of like not be Gwen's world, nothing seems right. Something seems like it's not in its right place. Yeah. The first thought I had was like, oh, this is back to the future part two. This is Marty going back <laughs> to the wrong fucking house. I thought that's what was gonna happen. Like all this shit started changing and it happened, and I was like, did she just butterfly affect everything? And that's what I got from. I, th I thought it was going to be a Back to the Future, but you guys completely blew, blew that, uh, blew that theory right out the door when it when it happened. But man, I, that's the first thought I had was Back to the Future part two. A lot of the influence that the Gwen's, the Gwen uh, and Dad George uh, reification. I mean, was a lot of it was fine art. Um, mm -hmm. I was looking at Rothko. I was looking at, I was looking at a lot of Richard Diebenkorn's Bay Area. You know, he's one of the Bay Area figure artists. A lot of his paintings. Um, some old Degas paintings and, and uh, Matisse. Um, even in the opening sequence, I was really inspired by like the Matisse jazz posters, things like that. Just like the graphic shapes and the color blocks, just keeping it that simple. What I learned on the George and Gwen part was I had a tendency at times to just keep, I paint very illustrative at times. I just keep throwing stuff on there. I'm not the kind of painter that you would find primarily on a Spider-Man film because I, I I don't really paint that graphically. I have a, I've, yeah. it's really hard. It's and I, I mean I applaud everybody. I mean Patrick's a wizard, you know, he can do it in his, in his sleep, and it, it is incredible. And I can't. Mm -hmm. It's for me. It's really hard. I can't do that type of stuff because the way I just train and the way I see things, I just like to work it out. So when I'm painting some of those things, I, I learned that I needed to be a little more simple on some of them, just to kind of simplify, be a little more direct. And, and that's something I, you know, every show, I, there's something new that I learned and I'm like, and you have to adapt, you know, to every show that you come on to. And I, I was working on Missing Link and that's a different style. Then I was on Spider-Man and I was Puss in Boots and it's just like on Mitchell's and it's like they're all different styles so you have to be able to adjust what you can you mm -hmm. know overall and adapt and you know but uh it, the thing is is uh you know with that I was with, with that Gwen and, and George piece yeah it was a lot of influence of traditional like fine artists of just trying to break it down and look at it and I attack a lot of the work like that I look at it as from a like a fine art sometimes perspective you know we all have that filmmaker gene in us we all want to do and you know, we all study cinematography and if we're not we should you, you should be you know you should be learning storytelling visual storytelling you know but i look at a lot of things every day i look at images when i get up in the morning and i'm i just have coffee and i have all these yeah. little photo sites and i just start pulling things down and when i pull down really it's not just I'm pulling down images that I respond to. 
and that's the thing I've learned years ago. I I have a drive over here. It's like over ten thousand images, and it's just I you know I just sit there and I just pull stuff down. Is it? It could be fashion photography, food, architecture. It could be a, a screenshot. It could be an ad. Anything that I find that I'm responding to, because later mm-hmm. on it will somehow creep into what I'm working on. It could be very yeah. beneficial. And then I just throw it all and I just tag images by name. And then I just go to work, try to find stuff. You know, it's uh, it's it's just a resource, and I, I also enjoy it. You know, yeah. I get a huge kick out of it. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> well, when you like what you do, man, I don't I don't like using the whole adage if you like what you do, you never work it a day in your life because I love what I do and I fucking work every every day. <laughs> every day they get me. I, every day they uh, get me. I do too. Yeah. I mean there are, I mean I I love what I do. The days the days go really fast. Um mm-hmm. some some days they don't. Some days they're just like when it's not working, it's not working. And it's hard. The business is really hard, you know, yeah. to come in and just for somebody to say, All right, be creative, flip the switch. It's just some days you just can't paint. Some days you just can't yeah. paint. Some days you can't draw. What I do then is that I step away and I try to find something that can get me going into the groove. I might just step away and not work on it for like an hour or two. Just like let's focus on something else for a little bit. And then let's see if I can, once I start getting those juices going, then I can tack on to it. But it's it's hard, you know? Yeah. And, and, and with anybody's job, especially in, you know, being creative. You do it, you know, being really creative. It's really hard some days. <laughs> Dude, it, it is. And I, I've noticed that like whenever I get in that funk, so I'm pretty sure you're the same way, man. We've all got people, whether it's like we follow them on social media. We Like me, I, I'm, I'm a cookbook guy. I love getting the cookbooks, not for the recipes and shit like that, but like the first 30, 40, 50 pages is generally somebody's entry into how they're doing what they're doing. And I mean, there's this yeah. guy that I've been so fascinated with for the better part of a decade now. Um, Chris Bianco, he runs Bianco pizza. You know, he had one in New York. He moved out to, okay. to Arizona. To the, I think it's the Phoenix area. Um, and he was known for pizza. Right. And he ends up and he's a baker. So he ends up developing cause he, he used to be a smoker, but he ends up developing Baker's lung, which is essentially the same thing as wow. like a coal miner would have, but it's flour because you're inhaling flour all the time and wow. it's exacerbated <laughs> by him smoking cigarettes. So they were like, well, you need a drier climate. You need to quit smoking. You need to spend less time around flour. But like, that's like telling Picasso, Hey man, you need to spend less time around paint. You know what I mean, <laughs> This dude's a fucking artist. Right. And yeah. So he moves out to Phoenix and then he brings what he does with him to Phoenix, but he takes it one step further, right? When you think of Phoenix, when you think of Arizona, what do you think of? What's the first thought that comes to your mind? I just think of desert and dry heat. Desert and dry (laughs) heat, right? So what do you think, uh, what does, what is flour? Flour is wheat. So he has a farmer growing wheat that is native to Arizona. And then he takes this wheat and then he turns it into flour, and this flour is the bread. So he is using locally grown wheat from Arizona, which is baffling when you think about it because it's a waste. I think you can grow dry... wheat, dude. <laughs> shit, like what's that? Uh, what's that? It's that field of dreams. If you build it, they will come. Type of thing, oh, yeah, or yeah, you know, yeah, so it's, it's something it's along those lines. Yeah. But uh, but there's there's um a, a show on Netflix. It's called The Chef Show. And then um, they go and they do this thing called Tartine, their first episode. I think it's this last season. And Chris Bianco is working with 
um, with Chad Robertson, my, one of my other heroes. He's like the guy for sourdough in America. He runs Tartine Bakery in San Francisco. I Fun. love Brit. I love, yeah, I love, I, whenever I'm feeling, the only reason I bring up these two guys <laughs> is when I'm feeling, when I'm feeling like drained and depleted, like I don't have anything creative to really say if I don't feel like, cause we all have that imposter syndrome. We all wake up one day. You said like some days you of just course. can't paint, some days you can't draw. I wake up every morning and I think of like, is this the day that they find out that I'm not very good at this? Because <laughs> I feel like that most times, like I wake up and I don't like me 80% of the time. Right. And I can imagine I'm like that with like a lot of people are like, if I don't like me 80% sure. of the time, you're probably not going to like me 50% of the time, at least just by law of average. You know what I mean? So whenever I start feeling like that, or I feel like uh, I don't belong here, or I don't deserve whatever it is I'm working on, I take a step back. I usually, you know, walk out of the restaurant. I get on my phone and then I just start scrolling on Instagram for one of those two guys. And Emer Lagasse is another guy. Chef Masahar Morimoto is another guy. Julia Childs is one of my all-time uh -huh. heroes, you know. So I go and I just yeah. look at what these guys and gals have written, cooked, and created videos, something. And then within the first 15 minutes of me looking at bread, instantly – it's right back, you know, hopefully it'll stay like yeah. that all the time. I haven't had an issue, but <laughs> it's something to rejog my memory or something to explain to me why I fucking love this. And I heard something so poignant spoken when I started doing, and I, for the life of me, I can't remember. It's in the first 20 episodes of this podcast. Um, but I, imposter syndrome always came up with, with artists. Right. And mm -hmm. I was like, I wonder yeah. why this is. And then I was, I would always ask like, how do you get out of imposter syndrome for you? you in particular and they would go like what helps me the most is remember why i fell in love with whatever i fell in love with why You're did right. i love drawing why did i love painting why did i love cooking why did i love making bread and if you can isolate that moment on why i do x y or z you can get out of that fucking creative rut you're in right you, now you sure can i mean i have had I, I went to school of visual arts and studied illustration and I've had some of the most, uh, probably some of the best instructors in my life and mm -hmm. the most influential for me. And I always go back to them. Uh, Matt Mahern, uh, photographer, videographer, director, illustrator, prolific. Um, I mean, he's, he's done um, two videos and movies. Mm -hmm. He's done his own films. He's done multiple, well, multiple awards. But I think I first met him, you know, he took time out. And I was like 17 and I was tagging along with my buddy, Chris, for a class. I went down to his studio down in the village and he was working on Tracy Chapman's fast car video. And I was 17. I was getting, you know, I was getting ready to go to school and uh, just, just died in college. And I showed him some of my work and, and you know, he was just like, just, just very um, positive, you know, but he was just like, you know, you're going to work your ass off. And you're going to enjoy it. You're not going to think of it like that, you know? And when things get tough, you're just going to go back to what you know and what inspires you. And that was the same thing with Jim, Jim McMullen, who was, taught me how to draw. Robert Weaver, illustrator, you know, famous illustrator, taught me how to see, meaning like how to observe, how to look at people, mm -hmm. you know? And those, those three guys I go back to all the time. Now I've had so many other influences when it comes to film and, you know, I'm, I'll listen to, I'll, I'll listen to, you know, Alex, Alexander McQueen interviews. I'll listen to Anthony Bourdain talk about life, yes. you know, and, and jobs and anything that can kind of inspire you, whatever that is that inspires you. You know, I'll just listen to, you know, Trent Reznor talk about, you know, art and music. And it's just, 
and my point is, is is like you have to break out of that 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 little um, infinity thing where you're just like yeah. I can't do this. If you keep hammering away at at the tablet, and you're just like it's not going to work. You got to step back, find thing that works for you. Like I heard like some great interviews with Jamie Hewlett. You know, he's an incredible illustrator. Guys, those like the uh, gorillas, those guys. But my three guys are are, are them, and um, you know, I just always think about them, and they always they've always come in the right time, and they help me out. And I'm Absolutely. still inspired by their work to this day. You know, Jim just came out with another book not that long ago, and I'm like, damn, and. You know, that's Matt's Matt. That's just incredible. I mean, I did a, I did a photo. Uh, he was doing a workshop uh, in Palm Springs, and it was just so great to see him. He's just such. He's probably one of the most influential artists for me, you know, because yeah. he just showed me emotion. He showed me how to tell a story and how to come across with a point of view. And that's what I try to get. I try to pick. I try to pick color palettes with a point of view. It's the reason why I'm doing it. It's like I'm just trying to give you guys something. Again, I might not always work, but I try to do something that's fresh and see what lands, what you react to. And the feedback a lot is always just like, "How do you think of this? How do you come up with this?" And I'm just like, "I, I it just feels right. That's all I yeah. can say. I don't, I don't go in there with any intention like this is going to be a blue scene. This is going to be that." You know, I'm thankful that I get to work on for companies that allow us to explore. I mean, there are a lot of companies out there and big names have been doing animation for a while, and they have a very standard pipeline. They mm-hmm. their films all look the same. That's that's fine, but yeah. I think I think it's very limiting. I think that, you know, I think that you can tell stories. Like there's some great stuff out. Right, I just watched season two of uh, The Bear. Oh my god, incredible! The cinematography. So good. Even the lighting, the lighting and the color on the television show is fantastic. You know, just watching that, even watching Succession. So the funny thing is, when I'm working, I don't watch. Even when I'm not working, I don't watch a lot of animated films. I don't watch Marvel movies Mm -hmm. because I don't want to get my brain kind of like you know, like uh, I don't want like that stuff to sink in. It's not an insult that that they're fine films. It's just that if I start watching that i'm worried that it's going to translate into what i'm doing and i don't yeah. want that influence so i don't so people ask me have you watched this this film i was like ah, no no i haven't <laughs> unless unless it's they tell me you have to watch some reference and i'll do it you know but the only i mean the only couple of marvel films i mean iron man the first one i always look logan guardians mm-hmm. the first one those oh. my favorites yeah guardians is so <laughs> fantastic as far as that the whole mcu goes Guardians is by far my favorite of the franchises, um, or favorite of the series, whatever, whatever they're considered favorite of the chapters in the MCU. Um, yeah. but y- you hit on something that I, I thought was pretty poignant. And, uh, it's the second time I've used that word in like the last 10 minutes. So I need to come up with a different word other than poignant. Um, but it was, uh, it's fitting and it's going to sound douchey, but my chef says it all the time because when you, I'm pretty sure you can you can echo the same sentiment whenever you're looking at something for so long. I don't want to say you're numb to it, but you're numb to any nuances, right? So whenever yeah. we're trying a new dish out or whenever I'm cooking something, you consistently taste, 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 acid, fat, salt, what have you. And once you've tried it six, seven, eight times, your palate's pretty much fucking blown out. You you're just you're picking up the same thing. Everything feels similar. 
you know, you might have added a little bit of salt, but you can't really taste too much of that difference. So you generally go to somebody, hey, try this. Hey, try this. Hey, try this. Does it need salt? Does it need fat? Does it need heat? Does it need this? Does it need this? And then, mm -hmm. you know, my chef has gotten to this point where he'll look at me. He's like, dude, you know how to cook. And I was like, yeah, I know that. But I also do not want to put up anything less than so. I don't want to put anything that's substandard. I want to put up everything. If I do it this way, I want to do it 10% better each time. And it's very hard for me to kind of disassociate with uh, what I'm doing and enjoy right. what I'm making sometimes. Cause I'll be like, all right. Yeah, yeah. Cause somebody will give me a compliment, right? Like, Oh man, this is so great. It's the best piece of bread I've ever had. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be better next time. It'll be better next time. It'll be better. Next time. Yada, 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 <laughs> yeah. yada, yada. And I'm not, I'm not thinking or being, you know, present in the moment or coherent to what they're trying to say. And like, this is fucking good. You don't have to stop, but this is good. You can appreciate what you do. And I was handing him uh, uh, one of the soups we're doing now. And I go, Hey chef, can you try this? And then he eats it and he walks away. I'm like, whoa, 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 where are you going? I was like, I need, does it need anything? He's like, well, what's your fucking heart telling you? And that's what I meant. He said, like, this is going to sound douchey, but he's like, what's your heart telling you? I'm like, well, my fucking heart's telling me it needs more salt and it needs more acid, but I've also tasted this way too many times. So I can't tell. He's like, well, that's what it needs, doesn't it? And, I was, and he just walked away. I'm like, this motherfucker's <laughs> like Yoda. He's like, Yoda just pops up. And then, uh, you know, like I said, these people, it. yeah, just fucking walks off. I'm like, God damn it, this guy's good, <laughs> you know, but it's just, yeah. uh, you know, shit like that. And then you had, uh, you had mentioned the bear man. So the bear loved it. The only thing I oh. fucking hated was the yes, chef, 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 chef inside oh, an apartment yeah. setting. I'm looking like our, we talk about it at work all the time. However, this show is the most accurate, 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 especially that first season the most accurate kitchen show I have ever fucking seen in my life. It's filmed like you're, it's filmed like yes. you're working. I've worked in restaurants. It's filmed. I told people, if you ever worked in a restaurant, you won't understand the pace of it. it it's mm -hmm. just the pace of it and the edit it and like, the, and, and, and the smoke break, you know, everything's done. It's like, yes. everybody relaxes, you know, but I could see that everybody's saying, yes, chef, yes, chef. But I mean, the character development, but the cinematography mm -hmm. and the lighting, and the editing, and some of the shots and staging, and you're just like, and that's one of them. I mean, I'm influenced by like even when I'm watching uh, like White Lotus or Succession, and you know there's some some great stuff out there. This, you know, was really good. I don't think a lot of people watch is the Fargo television show. The first oh, two seasons, it was. incredible. Yes, it was. Yeah, it's incredible. It's just incredible writing, but the cinematography it's it's fantastic. In it. And uh, I was just watching. I was looking at something tonight. It was like one of the shots, believe it or not, from Miami Vice with the whole. Bill Collins thing. Uh -huh. How cinematic that was at that time in 1984 with mm -hmm. the camera like by the tire or on the hood and they're just driving it. It wasn't like normal television at that time. And it's like if you just YouTube that like that one moment I think Air and Night, Phil Collins, Miami Vice. Look at the cinematography. Just think how groundbreaking that is at that time. It's like where they place the camera. Yeah, you make fun of Miami Vice and all that stuff, but just throw that all away and just look at like how they were filming some of the shots. It's just like it's fantastic <laughs> so I, was, I got a kick out of that stuff oh and you should man because one it's a piece <laughs> of history and two it's influenced you in a way it's touched you whether good bad or indifferent it's touched you in a way that it it might not directly but it could subconsciously influence something because you hear something you see something sure and when you hear and you see something that means you can kind of smell what's going on too so when you've got more of those factory senses going on you can sit there and and yeah really flush out an idea you can really flush out everything on whatever piece of art you're working on because you know what it's like to be at the beach right we'll just use the beach for an, for an example 
you know what the smells like you know the sounds so you can put yeah. all of that in there but even though you're just seeing with your eyes you might be able to touch a piece of art you do you know you're not being able to smell it most of the time or hear it but there's some pieces of art that you can go there and you can just look at a painting and you can feel it my favorite painting of all time and this is why i bring this one up is nighthawks for the life of me i can't remember the 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 artist right now but it's the diner scene like every it's a 1950s oh. diner red you know um hopper fuck. hopper yes I was talking about it with Craig, yeah, yeah, with Craig, uh, with Craig Bartlett, the creative Hey Arnold, and and he had said that that was a reference. I was like, that painting alone, I that was like a '90s elementary school poster in everybody's classroom. I would see that from such a young age, and that is what influenced like my absolute love for. I love diners. I love the Americana of it. It's the last little bit of Americana we have. It's something so quaint. It's something so pure. It's something so chaotic the word you like to use because if you've ever worked in a kitchen a kitchen is one of the most chaotic place it's the most controlled chaotic <laughs> it it's in a sure good spot. you know what i mean so it's like all of this shit is going on and then they capture everything you need to capture about a restaurant from the way the waitress is holding and walking to the way the dude's just sitting hunched over and he's drinking his coffee to how quiet and somber because a restaurant like most things or just anything in general it has its own energy like when i'm i'm usually the first person at my restaurant and i don't see anybody for 6 7 hours i'm the first guy in i turn everything on i'm setting everything up i'm easing out everybody's station i'm going through everybody's stuff to make sure they have everything they need for the day yeah. and it's an it's a whole fucking vibe like if you've ever been in a restaurant when it's closed nobody's oh, yeah. in there you feel <laughs> like it's alive right and then it's the same oh, thing yeah. before that beast wakes up it feels alive but in a very different way and i the get that from uh, from the art in. you know yeah absolutely yeah, hours you know people come in i used to come into so. i used to come into the office even when i was working on mitchell's i would get up and i'd get to the office sometimes um uh sometimes it's seven o'clock or six thirty in the morning mm-hmm. and it's because nobody there's only maybe one or two people but they're like by the time nine nine thirty hits it's you know it's like the stock market things are just moving you're, yeah. you're hopping to this meeting you got you got 20 minutes to fix this quick painting you got this or jump over here you got lunch one thing I never do, I never, never eat at my desk. Mm-hmm. Never eat at my desk. Because you're never going to get any work done. Yeah. If I can give any advice, don't eat at your desk. Take 10 minutes. Go sit outside. Go, go sit in the hallway. Mm-hmm. Just break break up the pattern. But that's what it's like. When you get there and you're early and you're just, you know, you're focused. I'm getting my stuff going. I'm in my zone at that time. Because for the next six hours, it's just going to be manic. Yes. <laughs> And as the closer we get to the release and you know the uh, the deadline, it just gets even crazier. <laughs> I can I can imagine it does. And uh, what a beautiful segue, man! Because it's getting really really close, man. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is coming yeah. out in a couple of weeks. So this one, ladies That's and right. gentlemen, it, once you're seeing this one, it's been out for at least three four weeks now. So if you're seeing if you're watching this now, um, I told you before we hit record. Watching that trailer in the movie theaters with my two-year-old son and seeing the excitement and joy on a kid's face <laughs> that literally awesome. just found out what the turtles. I mean, I've got I've got these sitting around. I've got these <laughs> sitting around my office because I'm just going oh through my, my shit. That's you awesome. know, and it's That's awesome. Uh the Kevin no Eastman way. Turtle Club. Yeah, like oh I got to God. talk to him a couple years ago, and it like I look at like he comes on the Zoom screen 
and I show him a picture of me. I'm like four years old and I'm decked out in turtle PJs. And I've got uh, I've wow. got my favorite turtle, Raphael, from the 87 um, Playmate series. <laughs> I've got him. And I think it's like my birthday or it's Christmas. So I've got all the turtles, right? And I'm just sitting there playing. I was like, dude, this in a nutshell was the greatest time of my life as a kid right here getting to play with my four friends that I didn't know weren't real. Like I would walk around the neighborhood looking in the sewers to see if these fuckers were real, man. I, I legitimately <laughs> thought as like a little kid, three, four years old, watching these movies, watching these shows that these turtles were real. Uh, right. You know? Yeah. So I'm, I'm looking at a two-year-old, like I said, that literally just found out what the turtles were weeks prior. Right. Doesn't have any frame of reference as far as like longevity, but he knows he knows the good shit is what I'm getting at, Dave. And watching <laughs> him not blink for two and a half, three minutes, however long that trailer was, and then him just ape shit going, turtles, 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 and naming every single <laughs> turtle awesome, that was on. Like, dude, it fucking it made me tear up, one, because I was like, I'm raising this little guy right. Two, I was like, <laughs> I have sure. faith. I have faith in the future generations. And three, I got to see what my mom saw when she got me my first turtle toy. I got to see the joy and excitement in the little fucking kid's face because that's of awesome, something man. that's a How fucking cool that? turtle, dude. You know? <laughs> so I would love to know how do you get the call? Obviously, Jeff Rosa is directing this one. You guys have worked together before. Um, you know, Mitchell's yeah. cloudy, Fantastic. you know, a couple different things. Um, but how does this one come about? How do you get the call? Say, hey, Turtles movie, we want you on. <laughs> I got a um early on I got a I got a call from Jeff um just reaching hey what are you doing what's up <laughs> typical you know but yeah. honestly um he was starting up on, on turtle system very early on um mm -hmm. and at the time uh Yashar because I was the uh, he who was the production designer was on it and really I came on um just to kind of help just kind of assist kind of give them some ideas of like mm -hmm. for color color language and color theory like where they want to go was, i mean right there wasn't a lot of people on the team so it was just like i was just trying to take take some kind of load off off their back or their shoulders for a little bit like here i'll i'll come up with some ideas get your conversation going and we'll go from there um i was on that for a couple of months and then um and then uh I ended up like I was work. I had to go back. I had to go full time onto Spider Verse because mm -hmm. they were just kind of overlapping, and so it's just like I really need to focus on this. And they understood that. You know, they're like, "I guys, I'm so, I'm so busy." They're like, I'll take ten hours a week. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was like, "Wow, that's really generous." So I would do a lot of my work sometimes on the weekends. I would work on the weekends with, for them, and. Um, you know, occasional over late night here, or there, but it all, it all balanced. And I would just pitch it, but Yashar, you know, he's so talented. You're going to see his, his, him in this, in this whole film. He came up with a really cool concept and the, the, the look of the turtles movie, you know, because it is inspired. Well, first they're all act, they're all teenage actors doing the voices. Yes. So to stay with that, take the, you know the the wonder of the '90s Turtles television show. Get the energy of like WWF wrestling and how crazy mm -hmm. that is, and put it into a 13 year old or 14 year old and how he would draw his notebook at school. 
And then the influence kind of comes from there. So when Yashara started showing me some of his first looks, images, I was like, this is so cool. I want to be involved in this. And uh, so I, I helped them out, trying to get them like, you know, foundationally, just like, all right, I was thinking this and this. And some of the stuff as I, you know, when I came back to it, I left for about a year, probably a year and a half, maybe a year, year and a half. I can't remember. And then I came back and they had, you know, they had Arthur, art director, Tiffany Lamb, the other art director. And they were just, you know, Yashar had the whole thing laid out and the look. And it, it, it's total kick ass, you know? And um, they would ask, I would come in and I would help out with doing some lighting or color keys for them just to kind of flush out some ideas. But I mean, they're all so talented. It was just like, you know, they were like, hey, what can you do with this? How do we make this better? And I would just push some things. But really, when it came, when I, when I, whatever I did, I handed it back over, you know, very collaborative. Tiff would do a note here and Arthur would do this. But Yashar was always just like, this is great because we really had to train our brains to not be professional artists anymore in mm -hmm. a way. So that was the challenge. We had to sit there and be like, all right, I'll show you. So I was trained to do this and been doing this for over 20 years doing this way. Well, now we got to kind of think like we're a teenager again working. So the shading mm -hmm. always has to be a little different. The line work is not always going to be that smooth. It's like, all right, that's feet. You know what I mean? So it's, um, it was a lot of fun doing that. The color for the film, the color and the lighting, um, you know, a lot of there's like a lot of uh, so, so it's a lot of it's at night and underground. Mm -hmm. So you know, there's a lot of parts where you're going to play with some really colorful lights, a lot of shadows, a lot of black shadows and things, um, really inky, uh, John Wick like you know type yes. feels. But Yashar took it, pushed it further another way. A lot of incandescent lights, ir iridescent lights, and stuff. It's just going to be really fun. And then when you see these monsters, they're just kind of like what the it's with Godzilla in your background, like thinking about like it's going to be nuts <laughs> going through Manhattan and, and stuff. But the energy is great. I mean, the whole film is so fun. You know, Spider Man is Spider Man's epic. You know, that's 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 an epic film. That's a lot of drama. You know, and emotion. But Turtles has drama and emotion, but it also has just the the fun and the light. And it's just such a fun movie to be mm -hmm. around and to watch. You know, not one's better than the other. They're just both like have their own identity. Mm -hmm. But Turtles is just like, hey, it's Turtles, you know. Spider Man yes. is just like, it's you know, it's, it's Miles. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> have you gotten to see the final cut yet? No, I have not. Oh. I think I didn't get a chance to see the final cut of Spider Man before it came out. So I saw it in the theater oh. for the first time. So when I first saw that, I was like, that's my wife, and I was just like, I don't know what to say. I have to pro. I'm processing this right I now. I was like that too. <laughs> I was like, because I saw a lot of things, you know, but I also mm -hmm. saw like, wow, they went there. They they they, yeah. they pushed it even further than I thought. Because, you know, I'd be like, because yeah. there's always that moment of like, is it over, is it overtaking the story? Are you going, mm -hmm. you know, Phil once said, don't go cuckoo bananas, you know, but yeah. it was just like, you got to be like, if you want to make sure it does that a lot of films if the visuals and the art and the lighting and everything overtake what you're trying to say then you didn't do your job and i think this film did its job because there's so much emotion in spider-man and also what i've seen of turtles there's still a lot of emotion there don't get me wrong there's I mean, these are kids that are struggling to find out their own identity but you know there's a lot of humor i mean but it's a really good film i, re I really enjoyed it
but I haven't seen the final. I've only seen like cuts, you know, storyboard cuts and stuff. I thought, like, wow, this is gonna be really good. <laughs> I I have no doubt. But the only reason I asked you that question because I, I'm going to ask you this question about Spider Man too. Um, but I'll ask that one at the end because uh, I think it's very. I was going to use that word poignant again. I, I think it'd be a very good way to wrap up wrap up Spider Man at the end. Um, but if you could sum up your experience on Turtles, some what you've seen, what you got to work on, who you got to be around, and who you got to like, like I said, absorb the turtle culture, man. Uh, is there a word, a phrase, a sentence that you could wrap up this movie in? Word or phrase or sense to wrap up that movie in. Yeah. Um, or just your experience on it, if that's a little bit easier. Well, no, sure. My experience on that. Um, I would I, I, I would say um, lighter. Mm-hmm. Uh, meaning it's because I'm comparing it to, you know, the films I've worked on, but Turtles was just so much more light, so much more... Um, I, I I felt at that time working on that film, it was just like, it was just, I knew it was going to be a lot of fun, fun, fun. Mm-hmm. Like we're just doing stuff here. It's going to be funny. Um, and I, and I was cherishing the moments cause I loved working with that crew. Um, I mean, all the biz dev artists were, were, were incredible on it. And, uh, but working with Jeff and Yashar was, was, was great. Um, I had a wonderful opportunity with them. I was, you know, I I think when I came onto that film, I just came off of two and a half years of Spider Man, and with 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 Spider Man, you know, it was just like it's it's intense. I'm mean, gonna be straight. You know, it's intense. It's a very challenging yeah. film. You know, there's a lot on the line. Um, so you you came off of that, and you're just like, okay. But when I went to Turtles, I was like, I'm like, dude, I'm. I'm 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 painting turtles, man. How cool yeah. is this? I mean, so when I say light and fun, it was just like it took me a minute. It was just like because sometimes we get so engrossed in what we're working on, and then we just kind of we kind of skipped our we kind of our eye gets off the ball. And we're like we're so focused on trying to get everything right, and they step back and you're like, dude, I'm working on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I can't. <laughs> life is pretty damn good. So yeah. I'm very happy and very fortunate and very 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 lucky to work with people like that. That's really cool, man. That's yeah. the only thing you can hope for when you, yeah. when I, it's so hard to say Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, TMNT Ninja Turtles without smiling. <laughs> it's so hard to say yeah. Donnie, Raph, Mikey, Leo, Splinter, Shredder without smiling or without being transported back to a time where it was a lot easier, you know, for like most kids, you know, being a kid was so much fucking easier, even though we couldn't wait to grow up. We couldn't (laughs) wait to be an adult. It was so much easier to fucking pull out your toys and play with your toys while you're watching one of your favorite shows, your favorite movies. And that's what (laughs) turtles is, you know, for me and so many people, it's just this nostalgia bomb, right? It's just this friendship that we built over watching these four green you know, teenagers that were mutants, ninjas, and they just happened to be turtles, man. Um, during yeah. the uh, during the making of this movie, did you get to meet the two great ones? Did you get to meet Kevin Eastman or Peter Laird? No, no. no? I was I work out in New Orleans, so uh, mm-hmm. I wasn't involved in talking to them. Uh, unfortunately, I was more like in a Zoom call meetings mainly every day with every, all the artists showing our work. Um, you know, we had a we had a big uh department thing once that popped in there that was really cool but we don't really yeah. have a lot of interaction with them no even with the amount of spider-man we really just interact with just the team 
you sometimes will go into meetings with the directors, but you did, or maybe with, with, with Phil or Chris, but it's very rare you, because, yeah. you know, the, you can't go in these meetings with these people, meaning because they have so much going on, but you have to keep it focused. You can't go in with like 20 people. <laughs> yeah. So you have a schedule they have to keep. Well, hopefully you'll get to meet uh, Kevin Eastman or Peter Laird because I uh, so. like I said, I, I got to meet Kevin last year and it was through a, you know, a 20 minute, you know, zoom call and shit. Cause when last, last year, year before last, whenever last Ronan came out. So I think it's two years now might actually be three. Yeah. I, I can't remember. It's like all the shit. I, 137 episodes is what we're on this week. And it's like, they're all starting to blend into one another. Um, but uh, getting to meet him, they always say never meet your heroes, but I've met so many of my heroes doing this podcast thing. And every single one of them have been amazing, genuine people. Awesome. And I've, I've absolutely enjoyed it, man. So like I said, hopefully you get that pleasure. He's always doing cons. So maybe you can get out to a con and, and get to see him because be he's as advertised, man. Yeah, just tell him, hey, man, I worked on the Turtles movie. You work, you created the Turtle <laughs> once or twice before back in the day, Kevin. We should meet and hang out, you know? Um, we should. But yeah, absolutely, cool. man. Um, you know, as we start to wind down, because I've already kept you for almost two hours, um, you know, but I, like I said, I would have been remiss not to get a little bit of Turtles talk in there. Um, but uh, with, um, well, it might be, it might be a spoiler and you might not be able to talk about it, but is there one scene in particular that you worked on? that uh, you don't have to go into detail about it, but you can tell people like, man, this is the one I worked on. I'm really proud of as far as your scenes go in Turtles. Uh, a couple of scenes. One is, um, uh, well, when the kids, well, it's like a little bit of a backstory when they're, uh, they're baby turtles. I worked on some mm -hmm. of those sequences. Um, uh, the other scene is I think with, there's like a, there's like a heist that's happening. It's all nighttime. We're dawn, kind of yeah. I mean, dawn. Yeah, no, we were doing dawn at the time, like pre-dawn. So these things are flying up up through the city. And some of the things I really liked is when we go into this particular lab of the villain. I don't want to say too much there. Yeah. But uh, there's like the colors, the, the color shift that, that we do inside this lab. This particular character it was a lot of was yeah, a, a lot of fun just pushing that and. Uh, yeah, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of good stuff. There's some incredible artists on that show. It's like some of the stuff that they're pumping out. I'm just like, again, I'm going from one world and trying to paint and draw. Now we're into like trying to draw and paint like a 13 year old again. It's just like trying to adapt how it works. So it's pretty, That's one of the coolest breakdowns. That's one of the coolest breakdowns I've heard. Imagine if you're a 13 year old, you're drawing turtles. <laughs> And it's WWF, and nothing's going to be perfect. That's such a that should be on the fucking yeah. movie poster. <laughs> that's pretty much the energy it feels like, and that's the energy yeah. like even with Yashar and like Jeff. Jeff is always bringing it every day. And mm -hmm. It's just like, what's up? Okay, you know, they you know they tell you what they want. That's the same thing with you know guys on on Spider Man. It's like, all right, this is great. Like we'd always be like, oh my god, all right, how do we make you know? Something Phil said to me back in Cloudy when I first met him, walking and working on the show. And he would come up and it's like something I was doing with Cloudy. It's like, this is incredible. It's the greatest thing I've ever seen. It's wonderful. It's going to make the movie. It's going to blah, 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 positive, positive, you know, incredible. Mm -hmm. He goes, but it's just not awesome yet. Let's just get <laughs> it right there, you know? And I learned from him from that, you know, and I kept that with me a long time because I know what he's looking for. Mm -hmm. and I can understand what he's saying, you know? That's what he's looking for, you know. And I think that's when I I look for myself. It's like, did I push it far enough? Did I 
explore everything? Is it awesome? If I can't say anything else for it, if it's spoken for, then I'm like, I, I, I give you everything I could. Yeah. Yeah. We'll we'll go from there. (laughs) Absolutely, man. Last turtle question before I ask you that final Spider-Man question. Um, I haven't I haven't got a chance to ask this one because I haven't done too many turtles as of recent. Um, it's been probably about a year since I've had any turtle talk on here, which is blasphemous in my opinion. But you know, it is <laughs> what it is, man. Um, so imagine your uh, your ten twelve year old Dave, right? Um, who was uh-huh. your favorite turtle back then, and is that still your favorite turtle now? If yes, why? If no, why? <laughs> I don't know if I have a favorite to be honest with you, because mm-hmm. I thought they were all pretty badass. Yeah. Um that's hard because you know, I always looked at them as one group. And yeah. I always just admired because of the names, because of the Renaissance artists, you know. So mm-hmm. I was like, oh the Tons. Oh, I'm like, well, I'm Jeff. you know, and I'm just sort of like uh, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm not trying to carry it out, but I I can't pick exactly one, to be honest. I, I think they're all just a badass group. I think they're funny. I really don't understand the personality of them until more later on. When yeah. I first started with the comic books, I just thought they were like really just like badass things. Like, these are turtles and they're kicking the shit out of you. What the, what the hell is this all about? So I thought the comic was like, it's so insane. Yeah. So I thought they were all just pretty badass. But nowadays, it's just like they got more of like a personality to them. So mm-hmm. there are moments in the film where Raph is funny, where Leo is funny. Or there are moments, you know, where Donnie's, you know, this and that. So it's actually, I, I'm, uh, uh, I don't know. Who'd you have, have more fun right drawing then? Who'd you have more fun drawing then in the movie? And it doesn't um, have to be a turtle. If you had more fun drawing a splinter or one of the villains, um, you know. Um, it's going to be probably one of the villains, but I don't want to tell yeah. you who that is. Okay. That's perfect. That's perfectly <laughs> fine. Painting. I wasn't drawing it, but Woodrow uh, is the uh, character designer. And I think, uh, I personally think, I mean, all the mutants are awesome, but painting some of the, the, the villains and painting the yeah. villain lairs also was a lot of fun, I have to say. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, to be TBD, man, we'll have to, if you're up for it, we'll have to have you come back sure. on after it releases and we'll of talk course. about it. Um, of you know, so as we thank you, because uh, this has been a lot of fun, man, because just looking at your I don't have to tell you what your resume looks like. You've done some really cool shit, Dave. You've worked on some <laughs> um, some things that I've absolutely loved over the last, you know, since I was a little fucking kid, you know, getting to enjoy and <laughs> see and talk to stuff. the people. Yeah, you've worked on some really cool stuff. I mean, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs was one of those movies that I watched right before I joined the military. And I remember seeing this movie and I'm just like, yeah, I'm just fucking blown away at like what because we we talked you'd mentioned earlier that you know there's studios out there disney that um for pixar for the most part i don't want to say they look alike but they do have a a style you know marvel mm-hmm. had a style mm-hmm. stan lee put out books how to write the marvel way uh jack the king kirby how to draw the marvel way you know so once you yeah. find something a template or a style and you stick with it because it works man it's not a knock on anybody um, but you know, I remember seeing Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs and going, "Holy shit, this is this is different. This isn't like the Disney movies." You know, you'd had some kind of three D yeah. animation with Shrek and things like that, but this was like a progression. Shrek walked so Cloudy could go. Cloudy, you know, jogged a little bit so fucking Spider Man could run and jump off the side of a fucking building. You know, it's just like all of these, yeah. all of these evolutions and level ups through over the last couple of decades, man. And like I said, I, I've been a fan of what you guys have been doing for a very long time. 
And, uh, you know, like I said, getting to that final question about Spider-Man, if you can sum up this movie, your experience, you know, um, just working with this team, one word, one phrase, one sentence, what would it be about Spider-Man? When's the next one? <laughs> you know, really, it's, uh, really because um, Spider-Man's it's, it's, it's its own, its own genre, it's its own beast. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's its own emotion. It's its own world. It's, uh, I can come up with all of them, but, the thing is, is that I really enjoy working on that in that world. I really enjoy Miles of Space. I love the character Miles. Mm-hmm. I love the challenges, and they, you, know, you can relate to a lot of them. And it's just like they're they're human challenges. But honestly, when's the next one? Because you know, I I, I freaking love working with, with with those guys. I love working with mm-hmm. Philip Chris and Justin and Patrick and Dean. You know, I can just roll down the whole list of all the heroes in my class and all that, but. I think I. It's because I feel comfortable with them. They trust me. I trust them, and they make me want to make better films. And I, that's why I feel good about the third one. It's just like I know the third one's even going to be more badass. I just know it. Yeah. It's just because we all want to do it. We all want to create something fun, and that's where it gets fun. You have everybody on board, and you trust everybody. You know, it's it's going to be a. It's, you're you're going to have a fun time. So well, I'm just ready for the I, next one. <laughs> what I got from that is Phil, Chris, and Justin. Let's fucking go. Number three. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's go. Yeah. Let's, Let's do go. it, man. Let's go. <laughs> uh, I can't wait. Like I told you at the beginning, you know, I don't, I am not jealous of what you guys will have to do to accomplish this. I have, <laughs> I have every ounce and every shred of faith that you guys are absolutely going to top the first two with the third one because I, I'm always not skeptical in a bad way, but I'm always hesitant going into a sequel because you have these preconceived notions. You have these feelings you're bringing over with the original, right? Or with the first of anything. And you're like, man, it's going to be difficult. Cause like, like I said, that first Spider-Man movie, fucking chef's kiss. Wow. Beautiful. Perfect. That second one, you know, I've talked to so many people and it's like 50, 50, whether the first one was better, the second one was better. And it's always like a, a hair you know, hair's difference. Like, yeah. oh, I like this one yeah. song more than I liked it. So that's why I'm picking this. Or I like this one scene more in this one than that one. So that's why I'm picking this one. I mean, like, when it comes to me, I've seen this first one. I could talk after the movie. The second one, I was just like, I'm English isn't my first language. I don't, I don't know what the fuck to say. <laughs> I, I baffled, blown away, mind blown. Like I told you, I, I texted Carrie. You're cooked. Yeah, I, I, I texted Carrie. <laughs> I was like, mind blown. And he's like, what well, do you have anything else to say other than blind mode? I'm like, no, not right now. <laughs> Give me a week. I need to, I need to digest scary. this shit. Like I said, it was it's perfect. I have no doubt that you guys will, um, no doubt that you guys Thanks, will win man. the the fucking Oscar this year for this one because it's just anything that's going against it. Good fucking luck because this one this one is a beautiful movie, man. But uh, as we uh, as we wind down here, um, for the fans that want to come in because you said you're going to start sharing some more of the artwork for some of the scenes because you're doing a sequential order, um, or you know in somewhat of an order. Um, where can the fans go and find you on social media if they want to say, Hey Dave, uh, I like your stuff. You can find me. Uh, you can find me on Twitter as well as Instagram. Uh, just D Bleich, uh, D B is boy, L E I C H. And you'll find me on there. Uh, Twitter, I guess threads now, and as well as Instagram. That's right. I post a lot of the work there. I don't mm-hmm. really do a lot of ex- explanations. If you ask questions, I'll 
most likely answer them. Like if you have like mm-hmm. specific questions, sometimes you can even DM me. I'll be happy to answer questions. I don't want to fill the whole page of like my theories yeah. and process. I people just want to look at cool images and <laughs> so. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm probably going to start showing some stuff I've done on other films too in the future. I haven't done that in a while. So I think turtle so stuff I'll is coming, start. Dave. Is that what you're saying? Some turtle stuff is coming. Turtle stuff is turtle stuff is coming after the second. Let's fucking go. <laughs> <laughs> like right, I said, and all. Oh man, I'm so pumped. Like I said, all of those links for Dave's page will be in the description. So all you have to do is go to it, click, and it goes straight to Dave's page, man. Because let's be honest. I know it's easier for me to get a link and I know it's easier for the folks listening and watching to just put a link. They don't want to type in some stuff. They just want a link. Take me to where I can see some pretty pictures from Dave. And that's what we're going to do, ladies and gentlemen. Well, he's been Dave. I've been Julian. It's been the What's My Head podcast. And this has been another piece of your childhood. Good night. Thank you so much, Julian. This was great. I really appreciate it.